Hannah Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the turkey trot edition. This week, I'm joined by Laura Bischoff. She's a runner just like me. And I got to know, Laura, does your family wake up early on Thanksgiving to run? We are doing an informal turkey trot on Thursday morning. Ah, so are we. My uh, kids are doing the Little Gobbler, which I'm super excited about. But besides turkey trotting, we're going to talk about how Eric Holder got involved in the fight over Ohio's congressional maps, why the FBI is investigating the Lake County Board of Elections, how photographing inmate tattoos cost Franklin County two and a half million dollars. And for the first time, we're going to talk about the latest developments in the biggest corruption scandal in Ohio's history, First Energy and their bailout known as House Bill 6. Okay. So the ink on Governor DeWine's signature was barely dry on the congressional maps before a lawsuit was filed with the Ohio Supreme Court. The map lays out the boundaries for Ohio's 15 seats in the U.S. House of Representatives. And there's been a lot of fighting over where those lines were drawn. What's the lawsuit about, Laura? Well, the National Redistricting Action Fund, which, as you said, is run by former Attorney General Eric Holder, filed the lawsuit on Monday. And they basically say that the map makers gave the Republicans an unfair advantage And this is the same group that sued over the legislative maps as well, or one of the groups that sued. And uh, you'll recall that Ohio voters in 2018 approved a constitutional amendment, you know, laying out this new map drawing process. And it was supposed to result in more compact maps and uh, less gerrymandering. And neither party could have an unfair advantage, couldn't either favor or disfavor a party. Yeah, that's going to be the big question. What does unduly favor mean? And I assume it means whatever the court says. Well, you know, that's going to be up to the seven member Ohio Supreme Court, which is where these lawsuits are pending. And there is uh, there are four Republicans on the court and three Democrats, including Ohio Governor uh, Mike DeWine's oldest son, Pat DeWine. He's a justice and he has not recused himself. That's something that the Democrats have been yelling about. But the chief justice, though she's a Republican, is kind of a swing vote on this, right? Like she's kind of the unknown. Yeah. Maureen O'Connor, she's the chief. She has um, she's held that position, I think, since 2011. I think she voted against the maps back 10 years ago. And she is considered the, the swing vote on this. She is term limited due to age limits. So this is her upcoming is her last year in office. Yeah, so our second topic takes us to Lake County, where the FBI and BCI are investigating what happened when an unknown computer logged onto their county server. So this all started back in August when, oddly enough, my pillow founder, Mike Lindell, displayed images of data taken from Lake County at a symposium demonstrating proof of election fraud. And so Lake County started getting a lot of calls. The FBI got involved. BCI got involved. The Lake County prosecutor got involved. But there wasn't actually any real breach or data theft. Is that correct? Right. So it's kind of like if you were trying to rob somebody, but you broke into the wrong house. So Lake County has a server and then the Lake County Board of Elections has a separate network and they're not connected. And the Board of Elections network only recognizes authorized computers. So what this computer did was log on to the Lake County network, but it never got into the Board of Elections network. There's a lot of problems, though, with uh, cyber attacks on um, election data, and there's a lot of concern over that. Does this fold into that overall theme? It does, and it also falls into the the narrative that former President Donald Trump has been pushing since the 2020 election, that it was stolen, and that Mike Lindell and these folks who 
attempted potentially to break into the Lake County Board of Elections are trying to find proof or evidence to back up the former president's claims. But the real question is, are those pillows really comfortable? I don't know. You know, I don't know if they're worth it. I have never bought one. I am a uh, Tempur-Pedic pillow person. Well, I knew I liked you. (laughs) Our third topic deals with another county government, but this time it's Franklin County, where Columbus is located. County commissioners there have agreed to pay out a $2.5 million settlement to about 680 women who say they had their private parts photographed when they were booked into county jail. So what happened here is it's common practice to photograph the tattoos and other distinctive markings of inmates in prison. But the difference here is these women hadn't been arraigned yet. They weren't charged with any crimes and they hadn't been convicted of anything. But they said they were forced to strip down and have their private parts photographed. And in a lot of cases, they were accused of misdemeanors like traffic infractions, city code violations, failure to pay fines and other minor crimes. Right. This sounds really invasive. And the county no longer photographs tattoos near the private parts. And, you know, these, it's an example where it can be very costly when there's mismanagement or mistreatment of incarcerated individuals, whether that be at the county jail level, the state prison level, juvenile detention, etc. I mean, you'll recall just uh, a week or so ago, the state of Ohio agreed to pay $17.5 million to a young man who was paralyzed um, at Chillicothe Correctional because of a use of force issue. Yeah, I was really thinking about this one because like, I, I understand that the argument for photographing tattoos is that let's say you have somebody who served time for assault and they have a very distinctive arm tattoo and somebody else is assaulted and they can't remember the person's face, but they say, I remember the tattoo. It's a way of identifying suspects. But, you know, there is a far cry from somebody who has served time and been convicted than somebody who has unpaid parking tickets being forced to like take off their top and let someone photograph their breasts. Exactly. And finally, we're going to talk about the infamous House Bill 6 and the scandal surrounding its passage. The nuclear bailout bill has been called the largest corruption scandal in Ohio's history. But before we get into it, Laura, could you give us some background on the bill and the criminal case that took down former Ohio Speaker Larry Householder? Yeah, this is a case that Jesse Balmer, my colleague, and I have been following quite closely. House Bill 6 was a $1.5 billion bailout to help First Energy keep two old nuclear power plants open. And the bill applied a fee on four and a half million ratepayers across Ohio. It had other sweeteners in there for some old coal plants, some other extra fees called decoupling for First Energy, et cetera. And this is something that Larry Householder really championed and that Governor DeWine signed into law in July of uh, 2019. Fast forward a year and the feds arrested Householder and four others and alleged that it was all part of a $60 million bribery scheme to get Householder into power, pass the bill, and then defend it against a referendum. Now, Householder and former Ohio Republican Party Chairman Matt Borges have pled not guilty to racketeering. Neil Clark, who was a a well-connected lobbyist, died by suicide. He was also charged. And then two other guys, Jeff Longstreth and Juan Cespedes, have pled guilty in the case. First Energy, back in July, also signed a deferred prosecution agreement. So now we're all waiting on more action by the feds in this, what is turning out to be an enormous, far-reaching case involving millions of pages of records, recordings, wiretaps, and really big numbers. We're expecting a trial probably in 2022. So this particular situation that developed this week involves Lieutenant Governor John Husted and the former CEOs of First Energy, correct? Yeah. So in addition to the criminal case, which there, there's like an alphabet soup of, um, <laughs> of investigations going on, the DOJ, the FBI, the SEC, the, the FERC, the PUCO, and then there's these shareholder lawsuits. 
And there's multiple ones of those. And shareholders, just for folks who don't know, are the people that own stock in a company, right? Right. So these are the first energy stockholders. And they, in one particular case, which is filed in the U.S. District Court in Northern Northern District of Ohio, about a dozen first energy execs or former, former execs are named in this shareholder lawsuit. And they're claiming that the, that the executives breached fiduciary responsibility, that they were wasting assets, they were violating securities law, et cetera, and that they were harmed, financially harmed. And Chuck Jones, who was the former CEO, and he was fired, and Mike Dowling, former senior VP, who was also fired, both of them got broomed out in October of 2020, they submitted a really long list of people they think have information to help them mount a defense in this Ah. shareholder lawsuit. That includes Lieutenant Governor John Husted and a couple other interesting names, lobbyist Josh Rubin, who's pretty close to Mike DeWine, political consultant Mike Dawson, who's married to a former... DeWine Chief of Staff, the Ohio State, Ohio Senate's General Counsel, Frank Stragari, and a whole bunch more people who knew a bunch about House Bill 6. Lieutenant Governor Houston said he does not know about the filing, much less what kind of discoverable information he supposedly has. And the big question kind of as this case progresses is, will it reach Mike DeWine's doorstep? Will it impact the 2022 gubernatorial election? I mean, do you have any sense of that yet? I don't know if it will reach um, Mike DeWine's doorstep. I do think there's a chance that it could impact the 2022 election. I think that both John Cranley and Nan Whaley, the two Democrats who are running to run against Mike DeWine, and also Jim Renacci, who's mounting a primary challenge against Mike DeWine, I think they've all made corruption and public corruption a centerpiece of their uh, complaints against DeWine. And one more thing before you all go, Um, Michigan plays Ohio State this weekend, and the rivalry is strong, even within this very podcast. Laura graduated from that school up north while I backed the Buckeyes. Yeah, you know, I'd like to go over a few ways in which Michigan is a superior university. Okay. All right. First off, Michigan has um, among its alumni a president of the United States, Jerry Ford. And in 1971, the Apollo 15 crew carried three astronauts with Michigan ties who established a moon chapter of the Michigan Alumni Association. Michigan has 27 Rhodes Scholars. Ohio State has two. University of Michigan had uh, established the first aerospace engineering program in the nation. Take that, birthplace of aviation. (laughs) And uh, Michigan was the first university to own and operate a hospital and the first large higher education institution to admit women. Wow, you really did your homework. I feel a little embarrassed for not researching OSU a little better, but I would like to say that it's been 3,648 days since Michigan last beat Ohio State. Well, as we all know, a university is more than its football team, and I say go blue. Mm, Go box. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we covered, check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network, like NewarkAdvocate.com. 